wrestling fans, are you ready? This is Tuesday. You people bought a ticket to see me, so shut up. Wrestling Tuesday with Jonathan Hood. First of all, Dusty Rose, I think what you are is a big, ugly, low-class, redneck goose. That's what I think you are. Yeah, I'm putting, I know I'm putting, but I'm most of all, the baddest man around in the world today. Follow the show at Wrestling TWT on Twitter and Instagram. But remember, my fireflies, as always, I'll light the way, and all you have to do is let me in. Tuesday, Wrestling Tuesday. The bottom line is, in all my magnificent, you're gonna be mine. All Night. Here's Jonathan Hood. Welcome to Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. I'm Jonathan Hood. Follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at WrestlingTWT. Also, don't forget the YouTube page as well, YouTube.com. Look for Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. Hit the subscribe button. That way you never miss some of our older interviews that we have done this year and in the past. YouTube.com Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. And please, please, please tell people Jonathan Hood talks wrestling Tuesdays at 9.30 Central Time on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app, of course, right here on the Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday podcast. This is a very special edition of Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday as I give you the TWT mailbox as I shut down the music. You know... If you don't know what that music is, if you are a wrestling historian, you probably know what that song is. That is the music theme for Mid-Atlantic Wrestling back in the late 70s, early 80s, when Ric Flair was really becoming something. Bob Caudle was the play-by-play man with that stick mic all by himself calling the action. And somehow, some way, I guess the producers for Mid-Atlantic Wrestling thought Don Ray's got to have lovin'. Would be a really good theme. And for the time, because it was like late disco era as disco was ending or house music was really starting up, they decided on that song. The people at Mid Atlantic had no idea that there would be a guy from Chicago hosting a pro wrestling show in 2019 using that theme. <laughs> But I but I am, uh, because it reminds me of wrestling's past. So all good with that. You know what? You and I are immersed into something very special. And that is professional wrestling is in a great place, isn't it? Think about everything that you read on Twitter, online, about professional wrestling. Whether it's the WWE and everything that they have put themselves through by having two primetime shows on Raw and SmackDown for on the USA Network for a long time. Now SmackDown moving to the Fox Network, so that's on uh, a network, a major uh, regular over-the-air network. So that's good for the business. And now we find out that NXT that's been on the WWE Network is moving to the USA Network. That's very interesting. AEW on Turner, not only on Bleach Report for their app, but also on TNT on Wednesday nights. That's great for the business. MLW is going to have their first pay-per-view as they continue to grow as a company in Chicago coming up in November. They're, they've been killing it on the BN Sports Network, so that's great for them. It's it's very interesting where wrestling is right now. The NWA made their announcement that they're going to have uh, studio wrestling coming back for the first time in a long time, uh, emanating from Atlanta, Georgia this fall. So as I've been saying a lot 
everyone is all in, to use a phrase, about where professional wrestling is. They all want to be a part of it because they know it's hot again. You just knew that wrestling wasn't just going to be just WWE and nobody else. And for some that are listening to this podcast, I know that your whole wrestling universe is about the WWE. But as someone that grew up in the territory era, like I did, and watched the WWF, watched the NWA, watched the AWA, because being here, born and raised in Chicago, Vern Gagne's TV, AWA, was front and center on my television as a kid. And so was Bob Luce's All-Star Wrestling coming out of Chicago and Indianapolis. So, you know, Glow Wrestling, World Class Championship Wrestling. I mean, it's it reminds me of that time where there's so many different options. And here's the difference between now and then. I can go to any YouTube page, like you know, and find professional wrestling and watch it from anywhere across the United States, in the UK, in Ireland, across the globe, you can find solid professional wrestling. And not so solid professional wrestling, as you know as well. But growing up in the territory era, being able to see all these different wrestling shows, it reminds me of watching those shows in the limited channels that we had and the limited cable channels that we had coming up. Or going to the magazine rack and being able to actually pick up magazines to find out the latest information about pro wrestling across the country. Like I didn't get Portland wrestling growing up, but I read about it in the magazines. Same thing was happening with the WWC, with the World Wrestling Council in Puerto Rico, um, in Japan, Florida with the CWF, and Detroit wrestling with the Sheik, and Continental Championship wrestling. Um, with the Fuller family and Southwest Championship Wrestling with um, Tully Blanchard's father, who was Joe Blanchard, who was the uh, promoter there. There was wrestling all over the country back then in the 70s and 80s when I was coming up. But here we are in 2019, and there's so many different options, and I think it's fun. I really do. I think it's fun for many wrestling fans that can pick and choose and say, no, I want to watch this. I don't like this. I want to watch this. And also something that has been said for a long time, that is when the WWE does well, that means that Impact will get more fans, that the um, companies like AEW, as you see, they continue to sell out their shows and they haven't even begun yet with their weekly programming just as of yet. It helps Ring of Honor, it helps MLW, it helps other companies, and also helps other independents across the country and around the world. So when you have several companies doing well in North America, now everyone eats, and that's great, I think, for, for pro wrestling. So we have our TWT Wrestling Mailbox segment. We do this from time to time. We haven't done one since April. Ooh, I've been busy, but I am going to take time here for our show, Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday, to be able to answer your questions about the wacky world of professional wrestling slash sports entertainment slash performance art. Have you seen... <laughs> I know. If you're driving, I don't want you to crash, right? Have you heard that professional wrestling now in some circles is called performance art? <sighs> Whatever you want to call wrestling... Okay, you want to call it sports entertainment? You can have four sided ring, eight sided ring. You can have a whole bunch of wrestlers in masks. You can have a, a bunch of uh, outlaw macho bullshit wrestling, as Jim Cornette would tell you. You can have whatever you want. You can call it whatever you want. Performance art. It's professional wrestling, and it's not changing anytime soon. That's not an old school point of view. That's just what it's called. You know, there's a reason why sports entertainment's name was evoked by Vince McMahon is because he didn't think that advertisers would want to be able to um, pair themselves and join themselves with professional wrestling. As you can see, that's not true. What we're seeing here is that there are plenty of um, companies that want to be part of professional wrestling. Just watch any Raw or SmackDown. Look at the type of commercials that's on the WWE. Yes, they want to connect themselves with professional wrestling. You can call it whatever you want. It's still pro wrestling. And it continues to grow and bigger and bigger and bigger. But the one thing I will never call it is performance art. I don't know what's going on with some of the younger wrestling fans of 2019 that want to be able to relabel this thing and pretend like wrestling is just this performance art, but it's professional wrestling. You and I know what pro wrestling is. 
We're smart enough to understand what it is. We suspend our disbelief and just want to be entertained, just like a movie, just like anything else that we see from an entertainment standpoint. Wrestling's on the entertainment uh, tree. So the idea that wrestling is some kind of performance art, it's not, I mean, hey, it's not real. It's like, okay, well, you and I both know what wrestling is. The bottom line is, though, is that these, some of these people are trying to tell you it's something else when you and I know what it is. It's nonsense. It's just, it's really amazing. It's pro wrestling. I, I don't, I'm, I tried to figure out if I could change the logo to Performance Art Tuesday. Would that be as good as Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday? Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. It's the name of the show. Performance Art Tuesday would denote that uh, we're trying to get people to come in <laughs> and learn ballet and learn about how to be able to be thespians. That's not what this show is. It's Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. Let me go to the questions, okay, for Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. Then we're going to hear uh, from a number of, of interesting angles on what's going on in professional wrestling today, especially as we get close to the quote-unquote Wednesday Night Wars. I mentioned in our last um, our last show that we did for Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday, uh, when we had J.R. Bang on, it was great to have him on as a wrestling podcaster himself to be able to get his point of view on some things in wrestling. Um, what is What has come down to is the WWE did not want AEW to have full autonomy of Wednesday, just to be... Wrestling on TNT without WWE having a response. Vince learned from the Monday Night Wars. He's like, screw that. Let's just put something there against AEW and see what happens. Uh, but um, we're going to get some opinions on that coming up in a little bit. I think you'll find these very interesting. So let's get to the mailbag here, um, or the mailbox. Sorry, I got to get used to that. It's it's not the mail. But everyone has a mailbag segment on podcasts. I have a mailbox segment. So the TWT Wrestling mailbox. Let's start from my guy Teddy from Hammond, Indiana. Ted says, I would have loved to hear Tony Schiavone announce for the WWE just because it would provide me the most exposure to his talents, but have to admit he's probably a better fit for AEW. Your thoughts? Um, Ted, you could, I mean, Tony's right there for you on uh, MLW. Uh, doing play-by-play. Will he do as much play-by-play? Now he's in line himself with AEW, I'm not sure. Um, but Tony is right there on YouTube for you to watch. You go through some of those MLW um, episodes. If you don't have BN Sports, they have weekly episodic television. All their shows are lined up on YouTube. So you can hear Tony with Rich Bokini. I think that's a pretty good combination, quite frankly. Um from what we understand from Dave Meltzer, and again, this is Dave Meltzer speaking about this, not me, from Wrestling Observer, he said that Tony had the opportunity to go to the WWE just recently because here's the tug of war. There's a tug of war of talent between AEW and the WWE now. For years, Tony wished he could come back to the WWE. If you go back to some of his podcasts, um, What Happened When with Tony Schiavone, that's his podcast with Conrad Thompson. You can go and, and subscribe to that. It's 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 pretty good. And I'm a big Tony Schiavone fan. It's one of my favorite play-by-play guys of any anything, baseball, wrestling, whatever. Tony is had a big influence on my play-by-play career, that's for sure. Um, but... Tony has said many times that one of his regrets is having to leave the WWE when he was there in 89 into 90. He wanted to stay um, be it, you know, because of cost and living in Connecticut and he had four or five kids. He cannot afford to live in Connecticut. So he came back to WCW, didn't want to do that. And um, he said it's one of his biggest regrets. For someone that was a huge NWA mark, who loved Tony Schiavone doing play-by-play, who loved the NWA and, and, the, and Tony's presentation. It is somewhat heartbreaking when you when he's asked many times, what's your most memorable night of the wrestling business? And he talks about the double header that he and Lord Alfred Hayes called. I think one was in Boston Garden, the other one was in 
the Meadowlands or Magic Square Garden or whatever, but he did two shows in one day and talked about Big Boss Man against Hogan or whatever it was at that time. And that's like his most memorable moment, not some of the great Starcade moments, <clears throat> not some of the great moments from World Championship Wrestling. He talks about the WWF at that time. So it's, it's a little bit of a head-scratcher, but I understand how much he loved the environment, I guess, of working for Vince McMahon and being in the WWF at the time. Um, but as I mentioned, there's a tug of war between talent. The I would imagine that Bruce Pritchard and Eric Bischoff, both working for the WWE now, probably convinced Kevin Dunn and Vince McMahon to hire Tony, if not as an on-air person, then definitely as a producer. Tony says he wants to be working in the archives. He wants to work for uh, the WWE Network. He didn't even want to be a play-by-play guy. He wanted to produce um, some of the old films that they have uh, in the archives and work as behind the scenes as a WWE uh, Network guy. Um, and he never got calls back. And so I guess the door was open for him because I would imagine because of Bruce and um, Eric working for the company now. And um, Tony chose to go to AEW. So, and I don't even know what Tony's role is there. I saw him, the last show they did for Fight for the Fallen is kind of just a commentator, but looks like something's worked out where he's working for MLW and AEW at the same time. So, um, yeah, I'm a big Tony fan. So just, I, I think he's great. And I met him at the last StarCast and just great. I've had him on my uh, radio show. Uh, I remember when the Chicago Bears when they drafted Roquan Smith and Tony is an executive producer for Georgia football on the IMG sports network. And, um, I told one of my producers said, you know what? Call Tony. Cause Tony's watched every snap of Georgia football. Let's get his thoughts on Roquan Smith. <laughs> so, um, it was great to have him on just to talk Georgia football and I mean wrestling, just Georgia football. So I'm a big fan as you can tell. Um, he, that's just my guy. Let's see, other questions in the mailbox. Kamar Zuman, who we've got to get on this program, by the way. Kamar Zuman, if you don't know him, usually for Chicago shows, uh, when there's a Chicago show, doesn't matter if it's AEW or if it's WWE, Shimmer, he's usually right there in the front row, bearded, got a, maybe a cup cap on, <laughs> and got a crazy sign up. He's a great ro- uh, pro wrestling fan, Kamar. Um, what are your thoughts on WWE moving NXT off of the network and onto USA on Wednesday nights to get a head start on AEW on TNT? Um, I, I think it's smart, Commer. Um, I think it's very smart. And, and the reason why is because Vince McMahon did not want to have AEW just have their own night. Um, you know, for those that are like me that love NXT and love what Triple H has done with that brand NXT, it might feel like, oh, that was my show. That was my go- my go-to network show. Now it's going to be on the USA Network. Now it won't be as appreciated as much. Now Vince McMahon will have his hands on it. Well, as long as... What was the first character that came out of ECW? Remember the new ECW 2.0? And they had it in an arena, and it was like on a Tuesday night at 9 Central or whatever, and it was like the zombie or whatever, the mummy, the zombie, something like that. As long as it's nothing stupid like that, uh, as long as Vince McMahon doesn't have his hands on it to ruin the formula that works, that then I'm fine with it. I would imagine it's going to emanate from Full sale. That way, you know, Triple H will be there. And he'll be able to continue to produce it because he's doing great television. There's some slippage here, I thought, the last uh, three, four months where maybe the action is not as good or maybe the stories are kind of weird. But not to the point where it's bad. Uh, To me, NXT's never been bad. There's some things I can question this year only. But I, I think it's been solid. Um, And I so, Comer, I understand why they're doing this. Um, We'll get into that a little bit later on. But yeah, Absolutely. They it just shows you something else too, the power of Vince McMahon and the USA Network. Vince pretty much owns the USA Network, doesn't he? I mean, he can. I know that it's about a money situation and ratings, but man, it's like there's been shows on that WWE has put on the USA Network that have not worked, that have not been very good, that's been canceled. 
Um, but Vince continues to put out content. The USA Network believes in it. Should, they should just go all wrestling. Because Vince can say, hey, I want this on Wednesdays. Yeah, sure. No problem. We'll just move Suits over here. We'll just move Pearson over here. We'll move the Law & Order reruns over here, Vince. Whatever you need. Monday night here, Wednesday night there. It's crazy. Uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin show over here. It's, it's, it's something. Mrs. and Mrs.? Yes, wherever you like it, sir. Yes. Um... Also, uh, what are, what are the possible ramifications of this move, and how will it affect both companies in the short and long term? Well, I mean, I, I think, Comer, that from AEW standpoint, what do they have to lose, right? I mean, and, and remember, this is not like twenty years ago. I don't know if we are going to see wrestling fans go back and forth on Wednesday nights as they did in the Night Wars because of the DVRs and because of time. Are people going to go back and forth like they did in Monday Night Wars where both numbers are up? Now, either way, keep in mind the ramifications of this is it's good for the wrestling business. That's number one. It's great for the wrestling business that you can have two shows against one another, especially when laden with young talent on both rosters. I think that's fun. But um, I'm wondering about what will happen uh, long-term if NXT falls behind AEW. AEW's got momentum, got nothing to lose. They're just going for it. And the WWE, even though they're starting off first and getting a head start, they are going to be playing catch-up ball, I believe. Um, I I mentioned last week, and I'll bring it up here in the mailbox, that... It's interesting that you have young wrestlers on both rosters that a lot of people don't know. They're just sometimes there's just people that are just diehard Raw and SmackDown fans and won't watch NXT. So I think this will be new for both sets of fans. Fans that don't, are not familiar with AEW have not seen it. They'll be able to see a lot of young talent that they've never seen before, uh, and so it'll be a great chance to pick and choose. Um, but I, I think it's I think it's fascinating. That's for sure. So I've got some sound I want to play for you. So the first piece of sound before we go back to the mailbox is a conversation with Brian Alvarez as well as Dave Meltzer from Wrestler Observer Live. And this is courtesy of Wrestling Observer Radio. They're talking about the Wednesday Night Wars. Listen to this conversation about how they see AEW and NXT. Listen. Do you think, I don't, I actually don't think this, but I can see that it could be true, is that by getting the jump and going two weeks early, that it actually helps AEW on Absolutely, week one? I've been talking about this for days. You think it's going to help AEW on week one because they started two weeks early? Well, I think, I don't know about necessarily day one, but to me, I mean, if they have a aside from the people that watch... If they have a shitty show, I think it helps AEW. Well, sure, but I mean, it's two weeks. I mean, you got to work really hard to screw that show up in two weeks, but it could be done. It could be done. So, aside from the people that are watching NXT and the WWE Network and that sort of deal, Monday is wrestling night, and mm-hmm. people are now used to Tuesday as wrestling night, but most of the people that are watching right now also remember Friday is wrestling night. Nobody thinks about Wednesday as wrestling night. No. So, WWE establishing Wednesday as a wrestling night... They're going to be promoting it. They're going to be pushing it. They're going to have a two-week head start on Wednesday. I mean, you're establishing Wednesdays for the competition as well. To a degree. Yeah, um, well, you are. Yeah. If yeah. NXT is bad, they if switch to bad, the other show. If NXT is bad. And you they, know what? But you Even know what, if it's not bad. You know what I heard all day on whatever day they know, made okay, this okay, announcement? Okay, okay, you know, the one thing, though, is, is that... I am relatively more than certain, and I mean more than certain, that that first show will probably be good. They the second show will will likely be good, and I think the third show will be blow away because it has to be. They're not going to go in there. They're not in this war and then going to do some half-assed third show. They're going to use those first two weeks to build to you know angles and everything like that, where things are going to peak and there's going to be a big stiff match and there's going to be all these. You know, whatever it is, I expect that, that, that they're going to, you know, maybe put, um, you know, whether it's, you know, like Roman Reigns on the show or whatever. 
they're not going to half-ass week three. It's not going to be just some developmental show with squash matches with nothing. Okay, they're not, the but time. my point is, the one thing that I heard more than anything else when they made this announcement, I did the Observer Live show, I got calls, I got, I got text after text, tweet after tweet. This immediate replay the next day on the network... Oh, yeah, that's going to work against them for sure. People, I mean, it's an for unofficial sure. poll, obviously, but I got 2,000 votes in 10 minutes. I mean, it was 66 to 33 people watching AEW and then watching NXT the next day. Yeah, um, for, you know, I mean, this this is, uh, no, I, I, I agree. I mean, I was stunned when I saw that because to me, it's like you're you're making this move. I mean, the primary reason for all this is to make sure that AEW, you know, it's it's not even, you know, it's it's the thing is, there's going to be like a lot of competition on who beats who, but, and and you know what? It's really not. I mean, I don't. It's 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 going back to like the same as like in 1998 when you know there was like who beats who and everybody talked about it, but that really wasn't important. Especially in 1998, it was really unimportant in a lot of ways. But WCW and to a degree WWF made it important, so they focused on it, and it it they you know and it ended up losing the war for WCW because it's self-destructed. But really, unless you react and self-destruct whichever side is losing, which which could happen in some form, okay? Um you know, it's 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 okay. The the thing is 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 like it doesn't necessarily matter who wins, but the goal of NXT is obviously to keep the AEW rating low. And that's a and and because they're sharing an ad revenue, that's very significant. But if AEW does, let's just say a million viewers, and NXT does a million one, that's a win for AEW. I mean, it's not a loss for NXT at all, but it's a win for AEW because they're going to be doing fine as long as they can continue to you know do decent pay per view numbers and house show numbers and things like that. And if it's you know, seven hundred thousand for AEW and five hundred thousand for NXT. That's uh, I I don't know that it's not a loss. That's not a loss for NXW, but it's not a big win if it's if they're both fighting over five hundred thousand. Um, I don't think that that's so great. Dave Meltzer and Brian Alvarez talking on Wrestling Observer Live. You can find those two on YouTube or download their radio show. So some thoughts there, interesting thoughts there, just kind of just give you a little bit more context to what they're thinking when it comes to AEW versus NXT. I don't know what type of numbers we're going to see. It's not going to be the Monday Night Wars where it's going to be a battle of fives and sixes. That was years and years ago. But I think the numbers will be very intriguing. Let's see. Steve Arendt says, was Dolph... Ziggler versus Goldberg at SummerSlam, the most useless match you've ever seen. Well, Goldberg had to get his win, brother. Had to get a good match because of how bad he was against The Undertaker uh, overseas in Saudi Arabia. So, it, it, again, Dolph Ziggler, it, it is just uh, really disappointing where his career has gone. I'm sure he's happy with the money. I'm sure he's happy that he's a WWE superstar. But... For him to just be the ultimate carpenter, it's just, uh, it's incredible. I, I, I don't get it. I cannot wait to see his shoot interview whenever he's done with the WWE. I'm sure he's got a lot of stories. It's just the guy that is just terrific in the ring. And he just continues just to be the... The guy that's just got to take the fall over and over and over again to the point where it's not even entertaining anymore. Um, Alan Montgomery says, when is Velveteen Dream going pro? Well, he is a pro, sir, and he's on the NXT brand. Which reminds me to tell you that because NXT is on the USA Network, it's not to say that Velveteen Dream won't be on Raw next WrestleMania or after next WrestleMania in Tampa, that very well could happen next year. Um, you could see Velveteen Dream just pop up on Raw. We've seen this, by the way, where some of these NXT guys just just pop up on Raw just to do interviews, to might have a match or two. But Velveteen Dream, to me, the character, 
the wrestler that he he reinvented himself. There's a guy that you make special. Have him come out to be special, not just during a Royal Rumble where he just comes out of nowhere. He should have a build up, and because I think the character is perfect for Raw, and I think he's had some really solid matches with NXT. Um, so it wouldn't surprise me if it's early next year. But if you're NXT and you're on the USA Network, you want to have as many stars on that brand as possible to build the number. Velveteen Dream was one of those characters that can build the number uh, ratings-wise against AEW in this Wednesday Night War. There's no need for him to go to Raw now. Uh, but I think for him to be on NXT and be one of the faces of NXT against AEW, that's a positive because every time he's on, I got to watch him. Every time he has a mic in his hand, I got to watch him. Because I, I think he's just that intriguing. Ed Bloom says, who's going to win the King of the Ring tournament? And he's got some other questions too, so I'll just take them one at a time. Who's going to win the King of the Ring tournament? Well, Ed, if it's whoever's going to win the King of the Ring tournament, uh, it's going to have to be a heel. So maybe that's Baron Corbin. Uh, maybe that's Andrade Cien Almos. When a babyface is the king of the ring, it doesn't uh, it doesn't resonate as much. Like I remember Tito Santana being the king of the ring. I remember Bret Hart being the king of the ring. It, the, when a heel has the king of the ring, he's he can milk that thing for a year. Look at Booker T. It re, it re, it just kind of um, redefined his career. He, he it really helped him out a lot because he was King Booker. And people just couldn't stand that gimmick. And there's Charmel saying, King Booker, King Booker, King Booker. Like, you know, and people couldn't stand it. But it was great. It was great for Harley Race for him to be King of the Ring. Um, but So I, I think that when you're a heel, uh, similar to Steve Austin, similar to um, Triple H. Triple H, by the way, who, who could not stand wearing that crown. <laughs> I'm not going to win the fucking crown. I'm not going to win the crown. So... Um, he, uh, he was king of the ring, but couldn't stand wearing the crown. Um, uh, but it, I think the king of the ring should be a heel. If it's Baron Corbin, don't be surprised if it is. Um, what else here? What are your thoughts on Bray Wyatt's fiend gimmick and the Firefly Funhouse? Uh, I think, again, for someone who needed a, a little bit of a jolt, uh, a boost in his career, I think that's a great gimmick. You know... You come to find out when you watch Bray Wyatt, especially now in this Fiend gimmick, even before that, he's a guy that never needs to be the WWE champion. He actually was a champion once, and there was really no need for it. It was it, it'd be the equivalent of putting the title on Jake Roberts, like, like Jake the Snake Roberts never needed to be a champion. Rowdy Roddy Piper never needed to be the WWF champion. Just some characters supersede championships. You know, I, sometimes a belt makes the wrestler. Like, there's really no need for Bray Wyatt to ever win a singles championship because he's, his character is over. It is as valuable as a championship based on people interested in his character. Um, thoughts on AEW. I, I mentioned earlier my thoughts on AEW on the last couple of episodes. I think AEW is not a brand that is in place to... Uh, supersede or beat WWE as far as Raw or SmackDown. It's an alternative brand. That's what they've said a lot. I know that Cody Rhodes and the Young Bucks have chirped and said a lot of things about what they are and what the WWE is not. Um, but I think that it's it's good to have an alternative brand. Um, AEW, and, and there's already a line drawn in the sand from AEW fans that are against the WWE. The point is, is that it's good that both brands are here, that we can talk about two brands. Well, we had two decades. We have several decades of just WWE wrestling, and, uh, and TNA was so far in the back um, that they couldn't even come close to what uh, the WWE is doing. However, I will say this. <laughs> Impact Wrestling slash TNA was a far, you know, far, far, far away second uh, option for wrestling. But you know, when Hulk Hogan and Eric Bischoff and that crew was at TNA and they were doing weekly television, you know, they were getting like high twos or threes, right? 
what's WWE getting now for their Raw and SmackDown shows? Right? High twos, threes, sometimes middle threes. Just think about that. As as horrific as some of that TNA wrestling was, TNA actually was doing pretty well. As long as they were in the mid twos or almost to three for that time, interesting for a substandard product. Um, so interesting where wrestling is now, even in, versus even back then when TNA was trying to take over the WWE. Uh, what's my favorite Harley Race match, says Ed Bloom. Um, I think Race Flair, and uh, there's several Race Flares besides the Starcade match that uh, that stood out to me. Um, David Von Erich against Harley Race also is a great match, which I saw from Japan, and I believe at the Sportatorium in Dallas. Uh, I thought that that dichotomy was very good. Um, Who would you bring up from NXT? Uh, who would replace them in the main roster? Uh, some I, t- I talked about a little bit of this from uh, last week's episode. I mentioned that there are a number of WWE wrestlers that are sitting in catering on Monday nights uh, or wrestling in WWE main event. Is that even still a show? I don't even know. Whatever's on the network, uh, some of their ancillary programming uh, that they have on the WWE network that they never wrestle on uh, Raw or SmackDown. And I believe that those wrestlers uh, should have an opportunity. Here's my list from uh, last week. I mentioned wrestlers like uh, Zack Ryder, Tamina, uh, Rusev, uh, Curtis Axel, Mojo Rowley, The Colognes, Heath Slater, Leo Rush, uh, Robert Roode, Lee Brian Kendrick, who I believe was on the 205 Live uh, among some of those wrestlers that I just kind of wrote down off the top of my head um, about a week ago. That's, a, that's enough, Melter, um, that I wrote down a couple of weeks ago that I believe that should have an opportunity to be on this NXT brand as well. Um, so, so yeah, so if you're asking me who would you bring up from NXT, well, I mean, Velveteen Dream to me is number one. Um, but... Eventually, that will happen. But if you're NXT, you want to hold on to the group that you have now because you want to make it a viable brand. Calling NXT wrestlers up for to be in the middle of the card on SmackDown or on Raw does nothing for NXT. Keep the stars you have and bring some of the stars that you um, bring some of the stars that you're not using and put them in NXT as well. I I think that what happened with Fandango. Uh, and Tyler Breeze coming to NXT, it just it gave them a feeling of being wanted. You heard the crowd in full sail when Tyler Breeze first came out. I mean, Tyler Breeze can go, Fandango can go, and they don't have to be the fashion police. It actually, if I'm Triple H, here's where I think he he made an error here. I think that Tyler Breeze could be Tyler Breeze, and Fandango could be a- anybody. Uh, he could be him. He could be his character, but just be badasses. Like frustrated badasses, like we've been kept down for a couple of years, and now we're not gonna get dressed up like police. We're not gonna, you know, be in the gimmick. We're just gonna be in jeans and cut, you know, and and t-shirts or whatever, and just be too badass, like a two-man power trip. You know, they didn't have to be in their gimmick, uh, fashion police or whatever the hell, fashion files, whatever. I think that Triple H could have just made them just two frustrated guys and come out there and just be kick, you know, ass kickers in NXT. Um, uh, Ed mentions also Harper and Rusev, uh, their MIA. Yeah, those guys should be on the NXT roster too. If you're not using them, why not be on NXT? Because if you're Triple H, you want to have as many recognizable wrestlers uh, along with the young roster you already have in NXT and mix it. You don't have to have all the veterans over, but you want to be able to have some recognizable faces and show like, yeah, these guys are sitting around gathering dust and just getting checks. Yeah, these guys can have great matches. Triple H knows how to be able to put that together. I don't think there's any question. So that's from Ed Bloom in our mailbox. Let's see what else we got here. Ah, my friend Courtney. Courtney Cross from St. Louis. He grew up watching um, the St. Louis Wrestling Club back in the day, watching Harley Race as a Missouri State champion and all that. Uh, Courtney Cross says, who takes the belt from Kofi Kingston? Well, (laughs) well, here's the thing. 
The battle with Randy Orton is interesting. I think that Randy Orton is, as as I watch a SummerSlam match, I didn't see anything different from Randy Orton, but I like that he's aligning himself with um, the Revival. I think that that is a good trio. Would not be surprised if Randy Orton wins the championship again. Makes me wonder about the value of the championship because there's so much emphasis on um, the Universal Championship held by Seth Rollins. Congratulations, by the way, to Seth Rollins on his engagement to um, Becky Lynch. That's interesting. Uh, great to see that they are together. You know, they don't really have a lot of chemistry in the ring, but they apparently have a lot of chemistry away from the ring. And I guess that's what counts, the relationship. So they are engaged, and congratulations. There's so much emphasis on Seth Rollins that um, it seems like the Universal Championship means more than the WWE Championship. Wouldn't that surprise me if Randy Orton has another run at the title? Because Kofi and Randy's got something cooking here. Will Bobby Roode ever become relevant again? Yes, if he goes NXT. Yeah, for where he is right now, it's shameful. Completely shameful. You bring him up, he's part of a tag team, and then all of a sudden he just kind of is nowhere. The guy was glorious, the crowd was into it, especially NXT, and then he just disappears. He He's kicking ass. We had him on the show, by the way, not too long ago, and he loved to be in, in the tag team matches, and all of a sudden he just is stashed. Glorious, the music, the robe, people into it. Nope, nope. It's not organic. It's, it's, it, it, it organically gets over. Fans are into it. Organically it gets over, but yet Vince doesn't like it. So now he's just stashed. Typical WWE, isn't it? While I'm reading these questions from our mailbox. You could be subscribing to our YouTube page, youtube.com. Look for Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. Hit that subscribe button while we continue on with our mailbox. Let's see. Charles March says, will Brock Lesnar win the WWE Championship on the first SmackDown on Fox? (laughs) Charles, my man, it could very well happen because there's going to be Fox executives there, There'll be all type of celebrities there. So it, uh, they want to do something big on that first uh, SmackDown on Fox for sure. So it wouldn't surprise me if Brock Lesnar's there. It wouldn't surprise me if Brock wins the championship uh, at that particular time. Who, <laughs> it's the WWE. Who knows? They continue to pay this part-timer way more than full-time money to be an intriguing character. And I will give Brock Lesnar a lot of credit. I thought that Brock Lesnar and Seth Rollins that last match at SummerSlam was one of the best matches I've seen from Brock in a long time. I really enjoyed what he brought there. It wasn't just because he dropped the championship. It's one of the most impressive matches I've seen with Brock in a loss for him in a long, long time. So it uh, wouldn't surprise me, uh, especially with all the Fox executives there. They'll be watching the WWE, those Fox executives, like a hawk. They do not want this to be just a whole bunch, you know, billions of dollars given to the WWE to put the program on Fox for it to just be average. Now, the fans will support it, as you well know. Even on a bad TV night like Friday, man, they've got to they've got to keep it up. They got to keep up their appearances because it's uh, <clears throat> they want to win that night. Fox is looking for an automatic victory on Friday nights, so it it's got to be good. They've got to be CBS, they got to be NBC, they got to be able to be even better on the cable side too. So it's it's got to be good. Um, Glenn says, will Vincent Kennedy McMahon ever stop being a hands-on owner? Uh, does he truly believe that angles involving the McMahons increase pay-per-view interest? Vince McMahon will stop being a hands-on owner, Glenn, when Vince McMahon dies. It's just what it is. It's, it's, it's like Jerry Jones of the Dallas Cowboys. He, he's, it's not going to stop. He will continue to work hard and make sure that his brand is his way. Remember, when you put on Monday Night Raw, you're looking at Raw and SmackDown through the lens of how he thinks the business should be and his storytelling and his syntax. 
it's hard to watch those shows. I'm I've been partial to SmackDown for way, way way over ten years. It's hard to watch Raw for me, and then it's even worse to hear the announcers. As a play by play announcer myself, who continues to try to get better um, at it, doing basketball and baseball for the UIC Flames. It is, it's one of these things where you have to be able to use certain words and phrases that Vince wants you to use. And it's just been drummed into our heads for 20 years, the type of things that Vince has these announcers say. You can't even have your own personality uh, when it comes to uh, watching that wrestling. Like anything else, announcers have their own personalities, their own style of broadcast. Every broadcaster has to have the style Vince wants him to have. And it gets monotonous and becomes dry and it just becomes very uninteresting at some point. So he'll always have his hands on it. You talked about the McMahons as far as um, involving them in angles. You know, Shane is becoming one of the biggest heels in the company. Uh, unfortunately, his heat is go-away heat it's, to me. I just think that... He was great to see him back when he first came back to the WWE. For him to be heel is is one thing, but then it's just this thing with Kevin Owens is just it's never going to end. It's Paul Jones versus Jimmy Valiant. Like, will it ever be over? It's Carl's Cologne against Abdul the Butcher. Will this ever this rivalry ever be over? It's like, like I, I, the blow off is supposed to be SummerSlam, and they it just continue to go. I don't know what the end is between Kevin Owens and Shane McMahon. I don't want to see that match anymore. I don't want to see those two on the screen anymore. If Kevin Owens is he's let's put it this way: if Shane is Vince, and Kevin Owens is Stone Cold Steve Austin, maybe it'll never be over. But it's not as intriguing, though. You see, it's it's good. But will it ever be great? The only reason why that you go past the blow-off of SummerSlam is that you think that it's going to be better, right? Like there's another angle. we got a cage match coming, and will they continue to battle after the cage match? Who knows? It's just crazy. So, it's Glenn, your point is well taken, sir. I mentioned that I had a couple of pieces of sound I wanted you to hear. You heard the first one from Dave Meltzer and Brian Alvarez talking about the Wednesday Night Wars. I want to talk a little bit about ROH for a second, and that what's going on with ROH now, about what's happening with ROH as far as what could have been. I read today that Sinclair has finalized their deal um, by, I think it's a $10 million deal. Let me make sure I have that right, uh, with some of the Fox affiliates. For those that don't know, Fox Television had a lot of TV affiliates. There used to be a Fox Sports Chicago, if you remember a long time ago. Fox Sports affiliates in the Midwest and in the South and in the West. There used there was a lot of them for a long time. And so Sinclair had finalized their deal for over $10 billion. Now, the reason why I even bring this up... Yeah, Sinclair, I mean, look at the story now from Eric Fisher from Sports Business Journal... Sinclair receives Justice Department approval of the Fox RSN purchase, and the $10.6 billion deal is now complete and official. So here's where I'm going with this. Sinclair, this huge television network that has affiliates across North America, and as far as I know, and I, I don't know if they have it internationally, but I know they have it in the United States. Ring of Honor is owned by Sinclair. Ring of Honor, for the most part, airs on Sinclair television. I don't know why Ring of Honor does not have shows on YouTube or other places for you to find Ring of Honor. Uh, I know that living in Chicago is not on any of the Chicago like local stations, and there's no Sinclair affiliate in Chicago. Nevertheless, how come that with all the Sinclair money, and their dealings with ROH wrestling, that they could not come to an agreement with Cody Rhodes and the Young Bucks. I've been asking here and there on the program, like, what's up with ROH? Like, they had their show in Baltimore, and it was it was a good show, but it was not the type of crowd I'm used to seeing with ROH in Baltimore. 
And they had a nice crowd in Toronto the weekend of SummerSlam, but it wasn't the kind of crowd that I would expect from ROH because they frequent Toronto a lot. And so I was wondering, like, what's going on ROH? And it dawned on me something that Bully Ray was talking about on Busted Open Radio on SiriusXM with Dave LaGreca. You realize that there was an opportunity for Sinclair to close the deal on the Young Bucks and Cody Rhodes. What if, what if Cody Rhodes and Young Bucks were still on ROH television? Will we be talking about AEW today? What if Cody never meets the Bucks? Crazy, right? It's crazy. If you really, this is like a documentary in the making. Like, love to just hear all the back conversations and all, you know, 20, if the AEW turns out to be successful, which I think it will be, it would be great 20 years from now hearing all the stories and everything that developed for this to happen. And, and, and really, honestly, happen in a short amount of time. And I got... Oh, and not to, and throw this in as well too, Bully. Ring of Honor's involvement in this. Because you mentioned Ring of Honor with Cody and the Bucks, but the success of All In. You want to talk about somebody that could have blocked all this? Ring of Honor could have blocked all this a long time ago. That's who could have blocked it. If Ring of Honor comes to an agreement with Cody and the Bucks, Cody and the Bucks do not um uh become friendly with Tony Khan or, or hook up with Tony Khan and this doesn't happen. Technically, and this is a long story that I'd have to break down from a lot of different points of view. Technically, what's going on with AEW could have gone on within Ring of Honor. How does that sound? Wow. <laughs> wow. And then also, too, you kind of... But, but I'm only talking about with Cody and the Bucks. Kenny was doing Ring of Honor shows. True. Okay? I don't know if Jericho comes into play. I don't know if Moxie comes into play. But, so to some extent, if Cody and the Bucks stick with Ring of Honor, and Ring of Honor invests the correct amount of money that should be invested into Ring of Honor... Everything that's going on with, with AEW could have happened with Ring of Honor. It's interesting because, Bully, you talk about, like, you know, Dean Ambrose had no intentions of signing with the WWE. He was gone. He didn't want to be there. You know, Chris Jericho, you know, he wanted, you know, to, to see other avenues. Now, maybe they could have signed them if the money was right. I don't know. But obviously with John Moxley, it's a completely different story. Was there that chance was there that opportunity where Ring of Honor could have wrapped up the Bucks and Cody Rhodes? Yes. Wow. Wow. I mean, wow. And I can tell you firsthand that I told Ring of Honor to go after Moxley. Oh, boy. There's your news for the day. <laughs> Interesting, huh? From Busted Open, from Dave LaGreca and Bully Ray. Bully Ray, by the way... Um, works for ROH or was doing some backstage producing for ROH. It's interesting news, isn't it? What if, what if Sinclair Broadcasting, the billionaire TV network that it is, with all these affiliates across North America, what if they were able to give the money to the Bucks and Cody Rhodes to stay at ROH. What if Sinclair Broadcasting put their best foot forward and said, okay, we're going to come together on some platform and put ROH on a map where not just a few people can watch it, but the entire country can watch it and be able to blow it up the way AEW is doing. Not saying that Sinclair could have been able to make a deal with TNT or A or A&E or whatever network, but just think, what if Sinclair was able to make some type of move in which they'd say, okay, we're going to make a financial investment into our professional wrestling arm of our company, and Cody Rhodes, the Young Bucks, will be able to lure more talent into ROH, and ROH will be bigger than it ever has been. Now, it's one thing for ROH to have been with 
um, New Japan to be able to put together a, a great joint show at Madison Square Garden that broke history. It was great for pro wrestling to be in Madison Square Garden with ROH and New Japan. But what if, right, as, as Bully Ray just went to the powers that be at ROH and said you should sign John Moxley and you should probably lock in Cody Rhodes and Young Bucks because they're trying to leave and they didn't do it. And ever since then, this is no shot at Matt Taven or any of the other young wrestlers on that roster, but ROH is somewhat of an afterthought in all of this. MLW's got a lot better. New Japan's got footing in North America. And AEW is growing and growing. And there are people that are selling out these arenas for AEW before they're even, they've even had their first weekly television show. And of course, there's always a WWE and all the other independents across the country that have better uh, streaming or television penetration than even ROH does. What if, right? Michael Berry Sr. on Twitter, at WrestlingTWT, and I met Michael at an MLW show. Great guy. I look forward to seeing you, Mike, uh, when MLW comes back to uh, Chicago in November for their first pay-per-view. What was your favorite moment during the Attitude slash Monday Night Wars era and why? A couple of them that come to mind. Um, as far as the Monday Night Wars era, uh, Goldberg defeating Hulk Hogan in front of 45,000 people at the Georgia Dome was a great moment. It turned uh, Bobby Heenan babyface because he was rooting for Goldberg to beat Hogan so bad. It was completely... <laughs> it was completely uh, Eric Bischoff trying to uh, hotshot the territory at the time, but it was great for ratings to see Goldberg win the championship on a non-pay-per-view on Money Nitro. And and depending on who you believe, Hogan's idea, Bischoff's idea, someone had the idea that, hey, we need to switch the belt and put it on Goldberg on Nitro. And it did huge numbers, complete huge numbers. Great moment. Um, for the WWE side of things is just the whole thing in Norfolk, Virginia, where you had DX getting on the Jeep. It wasn't a tank. It was on a Jeep. And they tried to uh, go after WCW. WCW and WWF at the time were were in the same city, uh, around the same area. And uh, apparently DX got into a Jeep and they drove to where WCW had their show a few miles away. And uh, to see DX there trying to get into the building or pretending trying to get in the building to get to WCW guys was pretty funny. It was among some of my favorite moments uh, in the um, Attitude Monday Night Wars era. All right, my friends, don't forget to follow along on YouTube, youtube.com, Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. And don't forget the radio show, man, the radio show. You guys are supporting me on ESPN 1000 in Chicago, and I greatly appreciate that so much. Um, we're having some fun. I know I'm having fun because you guys dragged me back in, especially guys like you, Teddy. Ted, who's a who, who's been with me since I was doing Russell Maniacs during the Monday Night Wars era, drags me back into professional wrestling. And here I am again. And you know what? I'm having fun because wrestling once again, is very, very interesting, very competitive for sure. Um, don't forget to follow along on Twitter at WrestlingTWT as well as on Instagram, WrestlingTWT. Shouts out to Rich Goldberg, Rich Goldberg, uh, who I worked with uh, doing sports radio back in the day. He says, I enjoy Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday because you keep it under an hour. <laughs> it's like, listen... If I could book four or five guests and have one of these great Brian Last or uh, Conrad Thompson podcasts, I would do it. But I like the the hour of wrestling content, uh, hour or less of wrestling content. I appreciate all the new listeners and followers to our program. And uh, we will do this next Tuesday, another edition of Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday right here on the podcast and on ESPN 1000. All right. So I'll talk to you next Tuesday. Thanks so much for listening.